to more than a few words of marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we believe that marketing strategy should be in plain English. This is Lorraine Ball and Allison Carter, and this week we're going to talk about influence. How to win friends and influence people? Well, actually, in a way, yes. Oh, I'm not very good at that. Well, we know you have no friends, but I do, and you fake it. More or less, yes. But seriously, without having too many conversations and sidebars about Allison's social circle, which does actually exist, we're going to talk about businesses and how businesses absolutely have to have fans and followers and whatever you want to call them, people who care about their brand. Right, and I think that one of the greatest fallacies when people talk about influencers these days they tend to be talking about online influence. You just said it, your fans, your followers, your LinkedIn connections, uh, your blog readers, and all of those are really important influencers, and we're gonna talk about those, but you're really remiss if you don't remember that influence happens in all forms, and many of those are offline. The, the thing that you have to keep in mind with that is really, how is your product purchased? Mm -hmm. And who can influence that sale? When you think about kids' toys and kids' products, they're not the ones opening their checkbooks. It is mom and dad who have to go to the store and buy whatever they buy. But the child is the influencer. Mm -hmm. And going up line a little bit, the most popular kid in school mm -hmm. is the influencer. But it, we also can't just limit it to B to C. That's the obvious, you know, yeah, that old image of, you know, two people talking over their backyard fence about the truck they just purchased or the kid's toy. But at the same time, m much of our business comes from business-to-business -business influencers. Let's say we build a website for someone who's very active in their local chamber of commerce. People say, oh, I love your website. Who designed it? Well, Roundpeg did, and we love it. Let me give them your contact info. A lot of this comes back to exactly what I used to talk about mm -hmm. when I first started the business, that you need to be looking at your referral partners. Mm -hmm. If you own a heating and air conditioning company, your influencers could be the electrician, the construction contractor. If you are uh, cleaning carpets, it could very well be the realtor because every time you put your house up for sale, your realtor tells you to clean or change the carpets. Mm -hmm. And in business to business, those influencers are accountants and lawyers and IT professionals. Basically, any time, whether it's a person or a consumer, wants something, and they say, who should I ask? They have those lists of trusted people they mm -hmm. always turn to. Right. So, for instance, I don't own a home. I'm kind of new at needing home services. There was a time when I needed an exterminator. Well, I'm not going to turn to other people my age who were living in apartments and didn't know anyone. I turned to Rebecca here, who owns a home and has for many years, and she knows those kinds of things. And so even though she's not what would be considered an online influencer, because of her experience, we were able to have a face-to-face -face conversation that led directly to me calling the company I ultimately used. And so as you look at your business, every business has people that can be kind of what I call the goose that lays the golden egg, can be those referral sources. And a certain amount of your marketing needs to be directed at 
people who can influence mm -hmm. because they become the gift that keeps on giving. And I think that whether you're talking about B2B, B2C, online or offline, the first step of any influencer campaign is having amazing products and services. If you are not good at what you do, if people do not want to talk about you, no amount of bribery will get past that. So let's make the assumption you've addressed all the customer service issues and you've addressed all the quality issues yes. and you have a product that, some, that someone says to you, oh my God, I love that. What do you do next? Well, first, I do think that you need to determine, is my audience primarily an offline influencer audience or an online influencer audience? In some ways, online is easier because it's easier to identify and reach out to those people because they're on Twitter, they're on Facebook, they have a blog, etc., etc. You see this a lot with mom-centric products, food products, um, those kinds of things where people already are talking about them on blogs and social media. You tend to see a lot of influencer campaigns to reach those people. And good and bad on that, because on the good side, there's a lot of conversation already out there. On the bad side, there's a lot of conversation already out there. And so standing out, mm -hmm. getting noticed by the mom blogger community today is a lot more difficult than it was five years ago. Right. And in many cases, that is going to and reaching out to anyone who has a really established large audience. Just like you would pay for the audience who would see your television commercial. In many cases, if you want a mom blogger to uh, feature your item in a post, do a review of it, uh, develop a recipe for you, you've got to pay to play. And so we're going to come, I want to come back to that, but I also want to look at maybe stepping back and saying, you know what, maybe I reach my community offline. Mm -hmm. And there are several ways to reach influencers offline. Mm -hmm. If you're in B2B, if you're going to an industry event or a trade show or a conference, identify who the speakers are going to be at that event. Mm -hmm. Identify who are the prominent people and spend some resources to get in front of them. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a small direct mail campaign, whether it's picking up the telephone and saying, hey, I'm going to be at the event, do you want to have dinner with me? Do you want running a hospitality event for that kind of a, a community? Um, doing things that are meaningful to them. You also want to look for people who are self-identified brand fanatics, but you have to be careful with this. Not everyone who loves your brand is automatically an influencer. Absolutely not. There are a lot of people... Um, who may be passionate about your product mm -hmm. and that's great and they're going to keep buying it send them a coupon make them a member of a club mm -hmm. whatever but ain't nobody listening to them and so spending a lot of time and resources to really cultivate that community may not necessarily pay off for so you so let me give you an example to kind of show you the two different kinds of influencers we have what I'm going to call the super fan Let's say we're selling peanuts. One guy emails and says, I'm a long distance truck driver. I love to get your in the shell peanuts to eat while I'm on the road. They really keep me going, give me the energy I need, give me something to do. I love them, I eat a gallon of peanuts. I don't even think you measure peanuts in gallons, but you could um, every week. He's a super fan. By nature of his profession and the things that he's told you, he probably doesn't talk to that many people. He may or may not influence that many people. 
Compare that to if you got an email that said, I work for the circus. <laughs> you know, uh, we love your peanuts. They're the only kind we feed to our elephants. You know, we, we make sure that those are the ones that we have at our show. We love what you do. The, that's an influencer. That's someone who is worth spending some time, money, swag, sucking up, all of that good stuff to get in their good graces and get them to advocate for you. Absolutely. And so as you're looking at your influencer campaigns, having kind of different levels mm -hmm. for the, the truck driver, mm -hmm. you get that nice night note, send him a coupon, send him a, send him a box of, of peanuts. Mm -hmm. He's going to be thrilled. He's going to be happy and he may share it with five other truck drivers he meets on the road. But for that super fan, for that person who can buy caseloads, mm -hmm. for the uh, nutritionist at an elementary school mm -hmm. who tells you she's got 500 students she's buying lunches for, you've got to have something a little bit more. Because think of how many people they can reach and how their, their reach can expand exponentially as those kids get those lunches and then that becomes the only brand of peanuts they want to eat and etc. Think of how that person can spread the message and if they can spread the message. And I'm going to give you an example of how this worked in practice. There was a time in the development of the Apple products when they offered very inexpensive computers to schools and their entire target mm -hmm. market was completely focused on getting young school children Mac literate. And I will tell you that campaign worked because our very first computer that my household had in 1995 was a Macintosh because my parents said that's what the kids use at school, that's what we should have at home. And when that generation got into college mm -hmm. and went into the workforce, they were more likely mm -hmm. to, when they could make those choices mm -hmm. and influence those decisions, look for Macs. Mm -hmm. When um, Microsoft figured it out, they started making their software, their office software, available for free or pennies mm -hmm. to every college student. Mm -hmm. So that when they graduated, they already knew how to use Word, Excel, and Outlook. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't be able to imagine using anything else. Open office for life. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the point is that both of those companies identified mm -hmm. who the real influencer was. Absolutely, and hit them at different stages of development. But it should be noticed with Apple, that seed, if you will, took a long time to root. And in the meantime, they almost went bankrupt. So you also need to be looking at the timeline. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, and there were, there were several things going on at the same there, time. Of course there were, but. And, yes. And, and, but and, they took a very long game. And, it, you know, it has paid off. There is a generation of people that are, mm -hmm. that are Mac fans. That they, you know, they will use PCs if they have to, but they are intrinsically Mac fans. And when they buy computers, they will, they will mm -hmm. opt for that. Um, but the same thing, you know, and, and without doing perhaps as much of that, looking at B2B products, mm -hmm. um, finding people who are face-to-face -face with your customers on a regular basis, mm -hmm. giving them samples, giving them tools that they can take with them, incentivizing them, mm -hmm. creating programs for them, 
um, lots of the software companies, and there are a lot of products that we use where we get a commission if we sign someone up. Um, and over the years, we've looked at a lot of these. Again, it goes back to what you said in the very beginning of the program. You got to get your house in order. There are a lot of products that I will not, mm -hmm. I don't care how much money I make when I get you to use it, I'm putting my social capital on the line. And that's a critical point for anyone. When you are doing an influencer campaign, when you are asking someone to say, tell people how awesome I am, that person is staking their reputation on you. If, you, if your product doesn't work out, that person is going to start questioning the person who recommended it, and their capital goes down. So you better make damn sure you're not embarrassing those people. It is, um, it's an important relationship because your influencers, if you have the right community of influencers, will drive a lot of sales. But if you let them down, you will just as quickly see those sales go away. Absolutely. So let's switch gears here and talk briefly about online influencers. Online influencers. Um, I think this is kind of a fun and sort of a little bit of a wild, wild west because if you have a product category, you can simply search online and find these people. You just had to do this for a client. How do you find influencers in a category? Well, I think one important thing is try not to be too literal. Um, one client who we had recently, it's a beef jerky company. And so instead of searching for people who are influential in beef jerky, I wanted people who are influential in guy foods because that's really what we're looking at. We're looking for guys who talk to other guys about how they eat. That's what, so really you need to take a couple of steps back from your product. What is the larger category? Mm -hmm. And find out who is influential there. For years, clout has sold itself as the standard of influence. Um, I think it's pretty much a laughing stock at this point. Uh, its algorithm doesn't really make sense. It's very difficult and expensive to search. Most of the large brands who used to run clout campaigns no longer do. So uh, I would not put much stock in anyone who tells you to turn to clout. There are some other services like a company called Influencer which is primarily focused at women, and they send boxes of items to women I've received several based on what you say you're influential in. I think that's a bit wonky because they don't really do a very good job of measuring whether or not you're actually influential in that. So just do beware of some of those services out there which will charge you a lot of money to find influencers. Usually with some good listening and searching and thinking, you can go do an end game around them and save a lot of money in the process. I mean, you can search like you did for some of those people who seem to keep popping up mm -hmm. and then look at their, look at their Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you do start on cloud, which I agree with you, I, I wouldn't necessarily, but you can start, start there. Like you might start, start on Wikipedia when you're writing a report to go find other sources that might give you a good first working list and then that will branch off and show you other people. But then... If you're going to look at someone, if you want them to talk about you on Twitter, you need to look at their Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. Are they talking? Are people talking about them? Are they interacting? Are people retweeting what they're saying? Or are they simply putting up noise? Um, if you look at their blog, do they get 
comments? Does anyone seem to interact or care? Mm -hmm. um, you can do things like, I think, I want to say you can do a social mention where you can look at, you know, what sources are talking about that Yeah, person. you can totally do that. Um, another important thing to keep in mind that people forget, make sure they aren't tweeting something that's embarrassing to your brand. Oh, good, good point. And this, this kind of comes up uh, with the Duck Dynasty thing that just happened. I mean, obviously that's a different situation, but A&E thought that his comments about homosexuality were damaging to their brand. Of course, they've now backpedaled on that. But you want to make sure that they don't hold political views that are wildly against yours, that they don't tweet about competitors, that they have not recently said horrible things about the product category. Like, if you're a pasta company and they've recently said, I hate pasta, probably not a good fit. Those kinds of things. And um, I, think, I think this is one of those things you see a lot when companies hire celebrities to endorse their products. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's like, oh, everyone listens to Kim Kardashian. In case you're curious, nobody does, but a lot of us laugh. Um, but the point is, look at that celebrity really closely. Because the first time you align with a celebrity and you pay good money to have them promote you and endorse you and they become visible, visibly associated with your brand. The first time they get arrested for a DUI, guess what? Your brand just got arrested for a DUI. And one thing to keep in mind is there are proper channels for doing that sort of thing. I'll give you an example. Um, recently, I received a tweet from a company I was not familiar with and I will not say their name to protect the guilty. And they said, you know, hey, do you have any suggestions for our product breaking into the U.S. market? My first response was, of course, well, if you pay me, I'm sure I will. But being a quasi-nice person, not having anything better to do, I went to their website. I also looked at their Twitter stream. Every other mention except me, because they're in Carmel, Indiana, near me, was to a celebrity saying, Lady Gaga, we would love your help promoting our new product, or uh, Kim Kardashian, our product is so empowering to women, or Katy Perry, would you help us with this? Every single one of them. All of those people have an agent. All of them have methods for doing this. Go through proper channels, otherwise you're just noise. Plus, it was a product that allowed women to pee standing up, so I'm thinking probably not a lot of traction anyway. This is all true. <laughs> this is all 100% true. I cannot make this up. It's like a funnel. <laughs> okay. Um and on that note, um, you we know, always end on P funnel. We, we do. Um, well, uh, I think the. <laughs> I'm actually going to leave in the last five minutes of giggles because I think it's part of the charm of more than a few words. But the bottom line is if you're going to try to grow your brand with the help of influencers, I think it's a really smart strategy. I think cultivating a community of people that love you is important. Mm -hmm. Reach out to the right people, reward them appropriately, make sure that they are really who you want to reach out to and their audience is your audience. And just one quick thing, we are not attorneys, do not pretend to be so. Make sure that you're in compliance with FCC disclosure guidelines so that people are aware that the blogger is receiving, if the blogger is receiving free merchandise or compensation, that that is noted. Otherwise, you are 
violating the law. And on the legal note, that's always a great place to end. But that's important because the lines between marketing and communication and legal issues, they blur sometimes. And what was okay a year ago may not be okay now. So continue to talk to people and make sure there is a good attorney in your strategic Mm -hmm. inner circle. But with that, we hope that you've enjoyed today's program. We hope that you found some of our comments informative and some of our sidebar digressions interesting and amusing. And if you've enjoyed today's program, and we really hope that you did, we'd love you to put a comment on iTunes and review us and share the link with others. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.